This is the 56th edition of the Garage Logic Podcast, December 4, 2018. It was 15 below in Garage Logic on this day in 1886. In 1941, three days before Pearl Harbor, it was 56 degrees in Garage Logic. This is brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Stores. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Well, he was radio's only lake detective. Now he's Garage Logic Podcast's only lake detective. Lake detective. Steve McComas of Blue Water Science. He's detective. never been stumped. Lake. And I protect that detective. brand image. Lake detective. Hi, LD. Hey, good afternoon, Joe. Welcome I, to the podcast world, LD. Well, thank you. I think we probably are the only lake detective on a, on any podcast anywhere in the world. I think so, and we're the only illustrated podcast. And it was our artist in residence, Greg Holcomb, who told me that you might have some breaking news concerning the uh, earthquake in Alaska and the aftershocks. Well, we're kind of keeping it hush-hush. Just because it, we don't want to, you know, um, cause too much concern, but I think there is something um, something afoot. Well, you have to share that with us, sir. Okay. Well, this is all... Our, our listeners, LD, have been accustomed to you educating them. Sure. Well, that's great. Well, we, and that continues, um, and, and actually, I'm learning all the time, too, but here's what I am speculating. Right. We had some earthquakes in Alaska, big earthquakes, yeah. you know, seven, I mean... Uh, Dr. Richter uh, says that's pretty good. Yep. So what's happened is that that generates uh, waves, you know, uh, subsurface waves throughout most of, the, almost most of the world. All right. A number of years ago when we had those mysterious openings up in North Long Lake, uh-huh. uh, that was groundwater driven. That's right. And I thought it might have been because of the heavy fall rains that gave us extra groundwater surges into the into the lake. I believe you called it something on the uh, lines of focus recharge. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yep. And I think that is still the culprit. However, later that year, I went to some conferences, some international conferences, lake conferences, and I was talking about this groundwater inflow. And they said, you know, we're talking to, and these these folks are from Illinois and New York and all over the country, saying all the well inspectors and well drillers. We're seeing strange things following that earthquake episode back in 2003. I'll be darned. And believe it or not, I thought, you know, I can't tell anybody that. They'd think I'm, they all think I'm crazy. No, but, not as far as you know. <laughs> I think there's something to that. And if I looked at a little bit further, if I did a little bit more investigating, sure enough, earthquakes do have an impact on groundwater. Yeah. So in the next couple of months, I wouldn't be surprised 
if we see some more mysterious openings, lake openings, right in the dead of winter, probably a factor of the earthquakes combined with some groundwater recharge coming into these lakes. LD, I think we might uh, uh, find some similarity in another story I was going to get to later in the show, but I'm going to get to it right now. Uh Uh-huh. On November 11th, mysterious seismic waves caused a rumble in the Indian Ocean that reverberated around the globe. Holy cow. Low-frequency waves shook the entire Earth for about 20 minutes that day, but scientists now believe they know what caused that strange phenomenon. uh, Researchers have declared that they didn't think any large earthquake was responsible for the worldwide rumblings. Instead, they feel that an eruption of an underwater volcano was to blame. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, the rumble, which was described as a monotone ring, was picked up by seismographs almost 11,000 miles from Mayotte and were spotted by happenstance. A New Zealand-based earthquake enthusiast who goes by the handle... I can't read it. Noticed unusual seismology readings from the U.S. Geological Survey. The agency publishes all of its recordings for free online, allowing anyone access. Uh, In in any event, uh, we didn't feel them. Right. But scientists were able to uh, to note them. They were de- they were detectable and you know volcanoes and earthquakes they're that's all part of the rumbling <laughs> all part of the rumbling. Uh-huh. And so if we had volcanoes and you know it's interesting that happens right at the same time we have an earthquake in Alaska mm-hmm. there's something to miss mm-hmm. and that's going to send some I figure that's going to send some uh, repercussions coming in another month or so. So look for some open water. In another month, I'm kind of making that prediction. Well, right you've never you've never been wrong. <laughs> now, to to podcast listeners who might not be familiar with you, uh, we've been uh, together for many many years now. Yeah, uh, and you are the lake detective, and uh, you are in the right state. We're the home of what fifteen thousand lakes, at least. And you uh, solve uh, problems. You solve uh, weed problems. You solve uh, you solve all kinds of problems. Right now, though, this is the season when you are your feet pretty much up on the desk. Yes. I got my comfortable chair. I have, you know, I'm in back in that dark paneled, stained mahogany paneled office. Yep, a little and something in the drawer, though, a little bottle in the drawer. I got a bottle in one drawer, and I got, you know, anything else I need in the other drawer. And the blonde bombshell is uh, uh, works the desk out front. It's pretty quiet right now, yeah. but she is always, she's always there. Uh, looking looking out for all of us. I understand. Well, uh, that's a, quite a prediction, LD. So when we get uh, holes in the ice this winter, which you are predicting, which means I believe it, we'll re uh, we'll continue to be in touch. We'll have to. Uh, I will get. We'll get. I'll have some updates because I'll be I'll be tracking it. That's for sure. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Joe. Never been, been stumped. Steve McComas, Blue Water Science, the podcast world's only lake detective. Never, ever has he been. Just as he was the only lake detective on AM radio in this great country of America. Another first. He's got another first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lake Mm -hmm. detective. Mm -hmm. We were wondering about, somebody was wondering, what was to become of Sully, George H.W. Bush's service dog. Yep, I think it was Reeves. Uh, Jeff from yeah. Brooklyn Park notes, after the funeral, Sully will be paired with another veteran, per Fox News. Wow, what an honor. Huh? Right. The way you pause him, like he'll be put yeah, down. No, no, no. Oh, God. You make me nervous. Wow. 
Uh, Brad writes, I think I might remember your axiom regarding homes with wellstone signs and their sidewalks not being shoveled. Remember, I was struggling to, uh, yes. mm-hmm. I should have written it on a post-it note, and I didn't. Have to I couldn't recall either. Uh, and and uh, Brad writes, I believe it goes like this. Not all homes with a wellstone sign have sidewalks that are not shoveled. However, all homes with unshoveled sidewalks have a wellstone sign. I think that was it. I think that was right on. Wow, mm-hmm. great listeners. Hopefully that's right. At any rate, I love the podcast. I get to spend my ride home with you and the boys every day. Thanks, Brad. Hmm. And that that's that was it's that's anecdotal, of course. I mean that that stemmed from uh, walking back uh, when Paul was still with us. Yes, and I invariably it was uncanny that an unshovel. I would look and an unshoveled sidewalk. There would be a Wellstone uh, placard in the window. Right, and so I came up with that axiom. Not all homes with a Wellstone sign have sidewalks that are unshoveled. However, all homes with unshoveled sidewalks have a Wellstone sign. Mm-hmm. May I add one more uh, thought about snow shoveling? Yes. From uh, walking yesterday, for example. It would be better to not shovel a sidewalk than to poorly shovel it. Right. I came up with that yesterday. Huh? You can get purchase on snow. Your feet can get purchase yes. on snow. Yes. But if you just do a half-assed job trying to shovel, then you're exposing enough concrete to develop glare ice. Mm-hmm. Or where someone walked, mm-hmm. that will become ice. Right. So, again, I'm not encouraging people to not shovel. I'm just saying an unshoveled sidewalk offers better walking than a poorly shoveled sidewalk. Said Lisa Bender, city council woman <laughs> in Minneapolis. So if I just have the kids, instead of waiting for the bus on the sidewalk in front of my house, if I just have them go up and down yeah. the block a yeah, few they'll, times? They'll punch it down. Pack her down pack a little down bit? Down nothing. Right. Well, speaking of that, I'm going to be taken to task here by Joe, and I deserve to be. Why? Mr. Mayor, hail the flashlight king. I would normally pass on an admonishment, but I'll save that as I share the guilt on this one. Last week, you discussed that you were going to let the snow fall from earlier in the week rest as you anticipate a warmer weather and would let it take care of itself. Foolishly, I shared your sentiment. Saturday evening was tough. I spent the better part of an hour and a half cleaning the driveway from edge to edge, as all good GLers would do. The week's earlier snowfall had become a giant hump in the driveway, and my first passes with the snowblower only revealed the firm ice pack that lay below the freshly fallen snow. The snowblower made quick work of the three to four inches of fresh stuff, and the remainder was what could only be described as snowcrete. I cursed my own idiocy for the duration of the time I spent chipping and languishing at finding the bare concrete. How could I have been so short-sighted? I asked myself, this is December after all. Uh, I share, uh, I apologize. Uh, In my role as mayor, uh, I apologized. Uh, I shouldn't have been so casual uh, dismissing my space management obligations. True. And, and you, uh, I apologize, especially for those that chose to to echo your words in the southern metro and southern part of the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should have gone to work right away because they got dumped on. Joe continues. I am sure there are many GLers who would love nothing more than to lay the blame squarely at your feet, as you had recommended we let it be. But I will take my own responsibility for failing to clear it when it fell. However, it should be emphasized that space management can only be described as a personal responsibility. Despite the mayor's recommendations, we each owe it to ourselves to handle our driveways and walkways at our own discretion. Besides, anyone who listened to the week's podcast should know that the mayor wasn't on his game, especially after the Mars probe fiasco. 
as always, Joe, I love the podcast and I'm a very loyal listener. Uh, Tell Reavers I am sorry for constantly filling the mailbox with my inane thoughts. Oh, no, they're great. All right. In the new format, as a matter of fact, we get a ton of email from listeners. This is great. As opposed to those great phone calls where I got one thing for Joe off the air. You know why? Occupy your time. (laughs) We handle it at our pace. Do I have time for one more email? Please. From Reed and Maple Grove. You got time, bro. Whether it's a Bader Meinhof or just a coincidence, the beauty of podcasts revealed itself today. He wrote this yesterday, December 3rd. The first hour of today's podcast, you had uh, had you recalling the joke in which Bobby Lee needed a week <laughs> to raise the 500 bucks to satisfy <laughs> the female gorilla. Yeah. After completing today's podcast, I continued some of my GL catch-up listening with the April 26, 2017 podcast, only to instantly hear your original telling of this excellent joke. Get out. Podcasts truly have captured what used to be lost in the, the ether to be enjoyed again and again. I would love to know if earlier podcasts are available as I lost almost a decade of GL due to my inability to listen at work and being unaware of podcasts until 2016. Posting this archive could be a good task for Wax Hands and Cat Scan. Hey, hey, you don't need to make any work for me, pal. I got it. Thank you for years of entertaining common sense. He's got a great question. How far back can you go? On the interwebs there and listen to it. I think we're right there. I no, I need we're... a serious answer. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Uh, that would be a question for somebody that uh, knows about the interweb. How far back, Reavers? Reavers is Reavers there? I'm right He's uh, in through the right nose right now. Well, why is this a difficult question? Uh, we can. We, we can go back. Um, oh. In fact, that's that's one of the tasks I have on my plate. To assemble the archive. Well, why haven't you done it yet? <laughs> oh my God! No, no. I mean, seriously, why isn't it done? I wanted it done. We're gonna I take done. all the music out. If you take all the music out, yep. Isn't that terrible? Yep. But, well, what, so, but wait now. Well, hold on. But what about? So okay, we, we aired those shows Doesn't and matter. added them to a podcast. Doesn't matter. The really? show is now exclusively in podcast form. So. You want an explanation? You're getting one because okay. you asked. He's over sitting. There. He's a good waiter right now. So. <laughs> All of the, like, for instance, when we were on at the State Fair last August, all of those shows, I can put them up. I have to remove every second of music. So, Jimmy Allen, how you doing? What are you going to play for us? Why do you have to remove Jimmy Allen? He's performing for us live. Because GL is now exclusively in podcast form. It is no longer broadcast on, uh, on radio. Let me ask you something. Oh, God. Let me ask you something. Yep. <clears throat> this oh. guy just said... He went back yep. and listened to a podcast from April 26, 2017. Mm-hmm. Actually, what he was listening to was a live radio show mm-hmm. in a in a now a podcast form. Mm-hmm. How did he do that? Well, if if he went through iTunes or maybe he had downloaded a bunch of old GL shows before we switched to podcast form, mm-hmm. um, that would be my guess. Because if he goes to iTunes and goes GL 2013. That that was that was still when we were on the radio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got that? And you can't go <laughs> to the old episodes of 1500ESPN.com. Because they gone. <laughs> of Garage Logic do not exist. Huh. All right, thank you. Uh, take a break, please. You, uh, we can uh, do you that. ask that question. We'll be right back. Here we go. doesn't have people, he doesn't hug, and he doesn't journal. Here's Joe Suchere. Reavers, come in here. 
Reeves is on his way in. He's putting down his corn sausage chowder. <laughs> I brought in some new Jayhawks for you. I forgot to hand it to you. Oh, oh good. Yeah. That's always good. <laughs> There you go. What's up, bro? Hang on to those for me, Reeves. Reeves, hang on to those for me, will you? (laughs) What? What am I missing now? What am I missing now? We'll tell you during the break. Yep. Got it. But uh, uh, they're received. Let's go with today's roundup of the power washing of Christmas. Okay. Power washing of Christmas. Let's go back to baby. It's cold outside. uh, Uh. Informal test at home. Mm-hmm. My two oldest think the song is creepy. And I told them well, last night. products of the failed academy. I said, you guys, you're taking something. So, I, I said what you said. Something, uh, such an innocent song. And they say, well, we think it's creepy. And I said, well, you're wrong. Frank, uh, uh, Tim writes, Frank Loser wrote Baby It's Cold Outside in 1944 as a song that he and his wife could perform together. Loser also wrote the lyrics for many Broadway plays, including Guys and Dolls. He won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama in 1962. Since the song was written for his wife, it obviously has nothing to do with rape. But facts don't matter to dark people who try to find sinister things wherever they look. All right. Hmm. Uh, Sam from Highland, Wisconsin writes, uh, In It's a Wonderful Life, George wonders aloud what Nick put in his drink. The scene is on the toll bridge office as George and Clarence dry their clothes. Clarence continues to reveal himself as an angel, causing the toll bridge attendant to leave the office and George to ask, I wonder what Nick put in those drinks. It's a wonderful life. Uh, the uh, is, is a wonderful life on the uh, PC Me Too movement chopping block. Wouldn't surprise me. Mary, he tried to slip me a Mickey. <laughs> Uh, Chief Offsite Correspondent uh, Kelsey notes, if the dark people, and that doesn't mean skin color, by the way. Yeah, we're right. to clarify. Uh, if they think the male in Baby It's Cold Outside is a potential rapist, what does that make the female in Santa Baby? She's trying hard to coax Santa <laughs> into her home. Had this discussion at my house really? last night. Santa mm. Baby came on the uh, radio, yep. we had a, and uh, I said to my wife, I told her the discussion we had uh, on the podcast yesterday, I said, so what does this mean for this woman? Yeah, but what if Santa's down for that? Listen, <laughs> Santa Baby, slip a sable under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl. Santa Baby, and hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa Baby, a 54 convertible, too, light blue. I'll wait up for you, dear. Santa Baby, so hurry down that chimney tonight. Think of all the fun I've missed. Think of all the fellas that I haven't kissed. Next year I could be also good if you'll check me off or if you'll check off my Christmas list. Santa baby, I want a yacht, and that's really not a lot. Then an angel all year. Santa baby, no hurry. So hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa honey, one thing I really do need, the deed to a platinum mine. Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa cutie and fill my stocking with a duplex and check. Sign your X on the line, Santa cutie. Oh, That'll be gone. Can't beat Eartha Kitt singing that. That'll though, be huh? gone. <laughs> yeah. Downing, uh, frequent uh, off-site contributor. I have to ask the crowd that would ban Baby It's Cold Outside, do you agree that Elvis should have been shown only from the waist up? Do you agree with Ed Sullivan that the Rolling Stones can't sing Let's Spend the Night Together on TV? Do you agree with Dan Quayle that Murphy Brown should not be celebrated as a single mother? Because that's the side that they are on. They're Puritans, moralizing scolds. 
defenders of traditional gender roles that kept women barefoot and pregnant. Baby, it's cold outside is not about me too or date rape. Well, he's speaking to the choir here, isn't he? It's really a song about women's liberation and empowerment. It's a song about a woman straining against societal norms that tell her how to act. It's about a woman who might just might want to get a little, but it's up to her. At the time, Madonna or... uh, 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 He lost me here. Uh, Madonna Madonna was one that sang Santa Baby as well. Uh, But the woman in the song is pushing back against these societal norms. She has dropped in of her own accord. And now clearly she doesn't really want to leave, but she feels that she should leave because that's what people, men especially, say. The woman in the song keeps listening uh, listing these reasons about what others will think and say because she knows that it's not really about what she wants. She has to remain within her narrow, gender-defined role. But she wants to stay and is trying to figure out how to do so without appearing to be a loose woman. Key to this is the drink. Note how she says she must go and then says, just a half drink more? She clearly doesn't want to leave. Then she asks, what's in this drink? Not, what did you put in this drink? Uh, With the drink question itself, we see her trying to find another excuse to stay longer. She acts surprised at how strong the drink is. Maybe it isn't strong at all, but her excuse to stay is that the drink is affecting her and it would not be safe or responsible to leave just now. So she establishes that she is staying because she is a responsible person concerned about safety, not because she is a loose woman. This is a smart woman leaning in to control her own sexuality. She wants to become a liberated woman. She is not a victim. She should be a feminist icon. Can't anybody see that? Downing. Downing's a good thinker, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, next to go, uh, here is a uh, woman writing for Yahoo Entertainment named Gwyn Watkins. And she's got five reasons why the movie Christmas Story. No. no. Is a lousy, lousy movie. She's a dark person. I don't know if I want to hear it. Uh, Okay, go ahead. It's uh, written by Gene Shepard, who uh, one of the brilliant comedic writers of the 20th century. I'm going to guess. It was the constant threat from Dad, wasn't it? Number one, A Christmas Story is all about consumerism. (laughs) Okay. Well... Isn't that what Christmas is? Pretty much what it is all about, at least in the, you know, you're going to make a movie about it. Number two, A Christmas Story is not especially about Christmas. It's set during the Christmas season, but the holiday is largely irrelevant to the loosely strung vignettes that the film calls a plot. So what is the film about? Well, a major theme is children in pain, she writes. Uh Uh, Number three, this movie wants us to laugh at the misery of its characters. That's... Isn't that isn't that the beauty of it? This woman clearly has never read anything by Gene Shepard, and she should. She might learn how to write better. <laughs> Instead of uh, leaning, learning to be kind at the risk of ridicule, uh, like Ebenezer Scrooge or Frank Cross or Buddy's dad, our protagonist looks back proudly at how little remorse he felt for leaving Flick with his tongue stuck to a flagpole. Uh, okay. Number four, A Christmas Story is nostalgic for all the wrong things. A lot of people like A Christmas Story because it's nostalgic and reminds them of childhood, but the movie isn't really about nine-year-old Ralphie because everything we see is from, the, is from the perspective of older Ralphie looking back at 1940. So rather than capturing a sense of childhood wonder, the film gives us a childhood viewed through adult eyes four decades later. Oh, Christ. Honest to God. What's her last reason? I don't want to read this person anymore. Uh, Scott Farkas in a bad dental program. Number five, a Christmas story has no Christmas spirit. Being a good person can be hard. Caring about other people makes you vulnerable. Having hope opens you up to disappointment. 
is, is there a, is there a warmer scene of love? She'd call it consumerism. Is there a warmer exchange of love than when he gets the the oh. Daisy air rifle? Say, what's what's that back there, Ralphie? Yeah, what, wait, uh, Ralphie, what's there's one back there oh. behind the tree. Is, is there a, a warmer glass of wine? Scene? Is there a warmer scene than that? <clears throat> no, there's not. This is who are, who are these people? Are they they're mentally disturbed? How do you watch a Christmas story as this person did? And and take your mind down that path. In other words, we all could do that. Remember the other day I said, you know, Frosty the Snowman, we should we should create a, right. a, a list. And then, lo and behold, a guy did it as we were talking. We can all do that. But most of us are not predisposed to do that. Because, yeah, because we don't see that. But they're ruining it for us when you when you go ahead and say, you know what, I should do that with Frosty just as a joke to see. Then that's in the back of your, your mind, and it's... She thinks Christmas Story is simply about children in pain, making fun of people who are different, and learning that life is a series of crushing disappointments. What's her name? Dummy. I don't care. Yahoo Entertainment writer, whatever that means. But that's going to be the trend now. That's going to be the trend for every uh, Gone with the Wind, Wizard of Oz. Um, uh, People are going to do this. Well, back to a question that we had yesterday that we asked rhetorically. Should I I not give her the likes of her the time of day? I don't know. Well, it's a Christmas story, though. You've got to push back with that. Do I have time for one more before Johnny? Sure. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> An all male a cappella group at Princeton University announced last week it would temporarily scrap a Little Mermaid song from its set list over concerns about consent and misogyny. Oh. Well, you can play rap music, but you're not the Little Mermaid. Wesley Brown, a senior and president of the Tiger Tones, wrote in a letter to the Daily Princetonian that the band will try to rework the performance of the song Kiss the Girl, which was written for the animated Disney movie. During the group's performance, the singers would call up a man and woman from the audience. The two audience members would dance, and then the singers would encourage one audience member to kiss the other on the cheek. In the last few years, we have taken intentional steps towards ensuring that audience participation is more voluntary and consensual. These steps have clearly not succeeded in guaranteeing total comfort for both participants or in obtaining continual consent, Brown wrote. Performances of this song have made participants uncomfortable and offended audience members, an outcome which is antithetical to our group's mission and one that we deeply regret. The group's decision to rework its Kiss the Girl performance came four days after the Daily Princetonian Princetonian printed a column Uh, which read, Dear Tiger Tones, please stop singing Kiss the Girl. Noah Wolstein, who wrote the uh, op-ed, said the song is more misogynistic and dismissive of consent than cute. She told the New York Times that while she's never been called up for a Tiger Tones rendition of Kiss the Girl, she's seen the performance and it made her and others feel uncomfortable. What is happening to the world? 
What is happening to people? Samer theory. They, they can't. They can't handle. Samer theory. Anything. They're going nuts. It made this knucklehead feel uncomfortable. I would technically like to see it taken out. Period. She told the New York Times. But if they're willing to work on it and get it to a place where it's not offensive, then I'm all for it. Yeah. You just go ahead and fight Disney on that one. They're big money maker. Wow. Let's come back with Johnny Height. Just like talking across your backyard fence. And this is a big backyard. Joe Suchere. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. Uh, one sports note before we get into the news. The NHL will add a franchise in Seattle. The league announced Tuesday after unanimous vote by the Board of Governors. NHL's 32nd franchise will enter the league for the 2021-22 season as a member of the Pacific Division. That will trigger a realignment that will send the Arizona Coyotes to the Central. It should send the Arizona Coyotes to Quebec is what it should do. That's a struggling franchise. Aren't they bankrupt? It just hasn't worked there at all. It's just Mm. not working. How about Florida? Could they go north? Uh, Tampa Bay has been nothing but an outrageous success. No, I meant the Panthers. But the Panthers, uh, they don't fill a 19,000-seat building. Mm -mm. Uh, News notes, the commander of North Minneapolis's 4th Police Precinct demoted Monday after those two officers decorated the precinct Christmas tree with racially offensive decorations. Inspector Aaron Byard is being replaced by Assistant Chief Mike Jost. Uh, Jost, you might remember, previously was the precinct's commander. He'll take over day-to-day operations until a replacement is found. The department has not named the officers involved, but sources identified Mark Bonsack and Brandy Steberg, both 21-year veterans, as the officers who decorated the Christmas tree inside the Northside Precinct's lobby with the items. Both were placed on paid leave on Friday pending the outcome of an internal investigation. The 43-year-old Bonsack and 47-year-old Steberg decorated the tree with a pack of menthol cigarettes, a can of steel reserve malt liquor, police tape, a bag of Takis, and a cup from what are, Papa. What are Takis? They're little candies. Uh, I believe they're Asian in uh, in origin. Do, are they favored by black people? That's news to me. That's I've, news to me also. I've That's the one that. item that I didn't wasn't really sure. I got an email today for is it uh, uh, say the commander's the step down commander's name Aaron uh, Byard. I got an email from a high school classmate of his. Uh, they were great friends at Washburn, and uh, he said it's not plausible to him that Aaron would have allowed that. So it just lends to the mystery mm. of how it happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was actually, it, did you see he was uh, bumped down to traffic, the traffic division? Oh, the old traffic duty. You know, Meter maid duty, huh? Exactly. That's like taking a newspaper columnist and assigning him to the garden club notes. <laughs> or uh, high school volleyball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know I, a guy. I, I speak with some <laughs> knowledge of that. <laughs> High school swimming. Uh, is that what high school oh, was that what it was? I took my column away, <laughs> but said to me, "Well, you can stay here and cover, you know, high school swimming and stuff like that." I said, "Okay, see you later." Was, I'm, I'm going to be going to St. Paul. Was that the? Uh, that's how you ended up leaving your that first was assignment last boss here at yeah. the Star Tribune. Yeah. Oh my God! Did so you I, ever I write a that. high school swimming column, or did you just say see you later? Oh, I covered high school swimming all the time, uh, but as a columnist, I I didn't. It, but they took away my column, which was their way of saying, get the hell out of here. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. You know, did, be- you, did you really have any effect on the, on the Metrodome, or do they, they went 
They, they must have thought I did, huh? It's not something. Yeah, I mean, it got built, didn't it? They were threatened by you, but they still got built. It got built. Right. So for listeners that are maybe new to the program, mm-hmm. uh, they might not know the history there. But I was a, I was a columnist at the Star, uh, well, at that time, just the Tribune for 10 years. And I, I railed in, against the building of the Metrodome. I, yeah. I was ahead of the curve in insisting that uh, summer days here are too precious because we don't recover them. In the winter months, as you might in Houston or Miami or wherever you're going to build a dome, and uh, but it, but it was the Star Tribune's property that it was being <laughs> built on, and I was told numerous times uh, to not to not to not write that, and, back I, and, I, and I refused to listen to that advice. I, I suppose I could still be there if I listened to the advice, but it all worked out. Yeah, it's all yeah. Yep. And and uh, in your defense. It's not like you were a hack columnist. You were a celebrated columnist, and you can find a collection of your Star Tribune columns mm-hmm. in a book called Such, mm-hmm. which has an amazing picture on the cover. It really does. It, I have two copies of that book. Because yeah. so you, so, you like the picture I, so much? I purchased one, and then I got one as a gift from somebody in Bismarck. So The other thing they tried, as long as we're talking about it, yeah. the other thing they tried to screw me up, <laughs> I used to write a column about a, a guy I called Leo, who has a cabin up north. Sure. Uh <sighs> And they, they in, would routinely call me in and insist that they wanted proof <laughs> that, A, he existed, and B, uh, whatever quotes I uh, uh, alluded to by him were accurate. Well, I said, how in the hell am I going to prove that? Yes, he's real. Don't worry about right, it. Right, right. If, yeah. if you read the column, you could probably figure it out, yeah. bosses. Yeah, yeah. And here we are now. <laughs> yes, sir. Move over. That's my desk. Yeah. <laughs> Can you hear me from beyond the glass? <laughs> I am whispering. And as I left, oh. he came across the river the other way. Right. Yeah. Yep. Traded spots. Yep. But that made sense. Pat grew up with that paper. Uh, used to have the famous peach section. Uh, the sports was was called the peach on Sundays. It would be peach colored. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that that uh, uh, created quite an impression on him when he was a kid down in Fulda, and they would get uh-huh. the get well, the Minneapolis paper because it was a fruit that didn't squirt. That's right, peach, yeah. peach prune or alfalfa. alfalfa. <laughs> not sure, but I don't think this should happen. A misunderstanding that led to a flight crew not being notified of the presence of two federal air marshals on board a United Airlines flight in August prompted concerns of a possible hijacking, according to the newly re- re- released report. Uh, five Eyewitness News, KSTP, through a public information request, obtained an incident report from Minneapolis-St. Paul International, which details the confusion aboard United Airlines Flight 3531 from Newark to Minneapolis on August 20th. Two armed federal air marshals were among the 64 passengers on United Flight 3531. However, neither the flight attendants nor the pilot were aware any marshals were on the plane. When one of the air marshals made his presence known, it sparked an emergency. According to the report, a flight attendant told investigators she was sitting in the front gallery when a passenger approached and demanded to see the passenger manifest. She, of course, told him no. She said the passenger then responded by saying, didn't they tell you me and my partner were on board? When the flight attendant asked for his credentials, she says he said, how about this, and lifted up his shirt to reveal his handgun. Hmm. Flight attendant told police her heart was racing and she was scared after seeing the weapon. She notified the pilot, who said he was unaware of any marshals aboard the craft. Mm, at That's that a point, breakdown in communication, isn't it, John? Really but at is. that point, what the uh, air marshal should have done is walked back to his seat 
got his credential and said, here it is, rather than go, yeah. uh, no. hey, what do you think of this? Uh, that Something like that did happen, as you'll see in a minute. Uh, she notified the— And this. Which one do you like? Take a look at this. Right. This will tell me a lot about you. Which one do you like more? I don't think that's what he should have done. Maybe it's not the right procedure? Uh, The pilot, according to the report, told her not to create suspicion until he could contact dispatch. Sure. An air traffic controller told investigators the information they first received suggested it was a possible hijacking attempt. That info, according to the incident report, indicated person on board the aircraft with a gun causing a disturbance had not yet breached the cockpit. Flight attendant told investigators one of the air marshals got out of his seat to check his bag in the overhead compartments while the plane was still taxing down the runway. When she instructed him to sit down, he refused. He then retrieved, as Rook said, his federal air marshal badge from his bag and showed it Day to the flight dollar attendant. short. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This Once, is my rifle. This is my gun. <laughs> right. This is for fighting. This is for fun. Once the plane landed, Minneapolis-St. Paul International Police arrested and disarmed the two men. During questioning, the two presented their federal air marshal identification cards and were released from custody. So a I chain of confusion. There. I think you showed tremendous professionalism during that story, John. I John, to be commended. That. I Unlike that. Uh, the two of us. That uh, story reminded me of uh, uh, a story when, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. I had an occasion through my uh, job with Vintage Guitar Magazine to greet Jeff Baxter, the guitar player from the Doobie Brothers and mm-hmm. Steely Dan. Uh, here, he was coming for a seminar. Mm-hmm. And uh, a Skunk. Is that that's Skunk, his, Baxter? That's Skunk. Mm-hmm. That's his Isn't name. Isn't he the uh, NASA guy now or rocket He's, ship well, guy? Well, he, he does uh, He does things with the secure, National Security right. Council. He's he, a computer he, he, play, he plays the enemy right. in war games, that right. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, he also is a uh, honorary federal, a federal uh, air marshal. Okay. And uh, I we were talking about all the stuff that he does because, you know, it was just that's interesting. Cool thing to talk it, about. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. And, and I said, so you, are you really an honorary federi- fed- federal air marshal? And he did what this fella did to the air attendant. Really? He And he was fresh off the plane. He opened his coat, yep. gigantic gun in a holster. Really? Off his side. Wow. Yes. In fact, I believe he put that uh, that credential to work in that famous episode of the uh, the case of where the Doobie Brothers music was being Yeah, did you in. record it all live or <laughs> illegally, or would you, you know, and Skunk, do I have to check you for a wire first? Uh, no? What show was that again? Good. No, not good. What's, uh, happening? What's, what's happening? happening? What's happening? What's yeah. happening? Yeah. Rerun was right. recording the Doobie yeah. Brothers on the cassette tape, yeah. and yeah. they said, hey, Hell of a yes, dancer, Fred that, is, that yeah. is copyright yeah. infringement. Yes, Joe. Uh, Continue. No, do you have the oh. story of, remember the moron in the Netherlands who is 69 years old, but he wanted to legally get his age changed yes. to 49? I remember that. I do not have a story on him today. Uh, he's a Dutch self-help guru named Emile Rattleband. Mm-hmm. He was denied by a court in the Netherlands yesterday when he attempted to legally change his age. Good. And uh, the court said, Mr. Rattleband is at liberty to feel 20 years younger than his real age and to act accordingly. But amending his date of birth would cause 20 years of records to vanish from the register of births, deaths, marriages, and registered partnerships, a statement from the Dutch court said. Allowing Rattleband to change his age and thus erase 20 years of records would create a variety of undesirable legal and societal implications. Well, I'll stop there. My point being, it's only a matter of time before the next guy will win this case. It got this far. True. It got this. It yeah, got to the gonna courts. They're going to still press. Somebody, there's going to be the next dingbat that's going to do it and is going to win. Uh, some local concert news. 
the Minnesota State Fair. You can't help yourself, can you, Jeff? <laughs> I can't. You just really can't help yourself. I can't. We're no longer affiliated with the Minnesota State Fair. State Fair. Are was, we going to continue to promote I, them? I was told in the hallway so. the other day we might be affiliated no. oh, with the State Fair. I like the old get-together. No. No, no, don't don't say anything yet. Don't. Rule. No, I like it. I like it. But yeah. you know, let's let's enjoy maybe a year when we when we're not there. Well, let's let a sleeping let's, dog lie. Is that yeah, what you're I saying? think so. Let's see what happens. I, I guess. guess we'll see. I what think happens. we should crawl right under the fence and sneak you back. You know in. what I love the fair? Six p.m. That's when I love the fair. <laughs> now you're going to love the fair at one thirty. One thirty. That's yeah. true. See you. The state fair is announced. It's I'm eating uh, my. Cheese curds at ten thirty for lunch. Can we have? Can we have? Can we have John, please. Announced its first two grandstand concerts for twenty nineteen. A reformed Hootie and the Blowfish. No, will return to the grandstand Thursday, August twenty second. Part of re- doing Darius Rucker was on his own. He does. He actually has a pretty good solo career as a Nashville brand country singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently, he wanted to get back with uh, the. You got to get, the, get the band back together. Get him on the air. Can we play your music, Hootie? Who else did they book, John? Uh, they also booked, uh, by the way, uh, that uh, they will be with Bare Naked Ladies, Hootie and Blowfish, so 90s uh, kind of throwback thing there. <sighs> that will be the most popular oh, show be, at the fair. It'll be huge. Guaranteed. Yeah. Tickets go on sale Friday uh, for 51 to $90. And then 90 bucks? August 27th, Weird Al Yankovic really? coming back to the fair. <laughs> now, Weird Al this year yeah. is bringing a full orchestra. It's called the Strings Attached Tour. Have you, <laughs> have you guys seen Weird Al? He's hilarious. I have live. not seen him in person. Well, no, yeah, and his, you know, he's actually pretty good. His arrangements are excellent. Yes. Yeah, and the musicians he uh, does he pretend to be uh, a many different musicians during the course of a show? Yeah, it's it's all shtick. It's no, I understand. Yeah. but does he uh, uh, in any given show is he just pretending to be one other person? The no. one, the one that I saw, he did. He had like the Lady Gaga fake costume yeah. on and whatnot. It's he. But, do, he's actually a very good live performer. Yeah. And he's very successful. He's worth very, a lot of money. Very successful. Uh, those tickets a little cheaper than Hootie, 31 bucks. They go on sale at noon on Friday, that concert on Tuesday, August 27th. Those are the only ones that have been announced? Those are the only two so sure, far. Sure, because yes. they've got this down to a science. Yeah. They're just going to drag it out and out uh, and out. And in a month, I can say, hey, fellas, State Fair is only a few months away. <laughs> yeah. That's, right that's the way the it works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with their original singer now being celebrated on movie screens, Queen going back out uh, on tour, and that includes a stop here. Uh, well, with what, how many original members? Roger Taylor and, uh, the, and the Mad Scientist? And Brian May. Brian yeah, May. Yep, uh, them and uh, the singer. Adam be, Lambert. Adam Lambert, yeah. yep, as it was last time. I don't know time. who plays bass for him now because their, their bassist back in the day is just leading a life of quiet retirement. Yes. Uh, August 10th, they'll be at the XL Energy Center in St. Paul. They're going to do a 23-city North American run. Did you guys see the movie? I have not. I have not. No. Okay. Does it do anything for you? Not really. Oh, oh I can't wait picture. to see it. Yeah, I like Queen. I always. I don't trust biopics of rock stars. They always. It did not get you don't good like biopics? reviews. Biopics. It did not get good reviews. Oh. Uh, the apparently fel- it's done well at the box yeah. office. The fellow that played him got good reviews, but uh, other parts of it weren't mm. uh, weren't accepted. Uh, tickets go on sale Friday, ten o'clock through Ticketmaster for that Queen. Well, well, concert. I mean. <laughs> Okay, I read a lot about the the movie. Yeah. You know, Freddie was a terribly hedonistic yeah. uh, wild man. Yes, he was. And uh, the movie downplayed that aspect of his character in order to make it more appealing to a more mass audience. Sure. So they were disingenuous in their portrayal of the guy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my only comment. Who owns the right to Queen's music? Queen. 
Yeah, I would think. They still exist. The band is man. still together? Yeah. yeah. They're just, making a whole bunch of money because all this, the the 21-year-olds and 22-year-olds that are just seeing this movie are falling in love with the music. Well, mm-hmm. I, just, I read a thing, Bohemian Rhapsody, for the third time, is charted in the top 40 mm-hmm. because it was wow. a top 10 tw- two other times and now wow. again. Is that the one they did at Wayne's World? Yes. Yeah. 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 And the Pacer? Yeah, so. it was, it was a, a gremlin or a pacer. If you're going to spew, <laughs> yeah. spew into this. Chad, didn't you have a pacer? Uh, no, he's a pacemaker. I had a gremlin. Oh, gremlin. Yeah. Yeah. Close enough. And yeah. you had a deluxe pinto? Yeah. What was the deluxe part? Uh, I had an AM radio. <laughs> and a, and a, 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 the battery was deluxe or something like that, right? Uh, heavy duty battery. Heavy duty battery. And an AM radio. And uh, the minute I took delivery of it, I drove it across the Lake Street Bridge, and I tapped the brakes, and it did a 360. Because <laughs> probably one of the four brakes actually engaged. Right. So you crossed the river twice in that thing. I'm going to tell you when the uh, how the rubber meets the road when the rulings from the salon uh, are confronted with real life.